All right. You happy to be in church this morning? You know what the beautiful thing is? Is you don't have to have all this stuff just to have church. And uh, it's just a good thing to know that you have it. But if it, if it don't work, it's just tech, right? The heart still stays the same. If you're a visitor here, I want you to take one of these Connect cards and get with Danny is right over there. Raise your hand, Danny. Danny has got something for you after church. We want to bless you. Uh, just fill it out front and back and get it back to him. Also, Today is 301, which means uh, if you've been through 101 and 201, Brian will get with you right after service. Brian, you want everybody over here in this corner. Right after service, Brian will get with you if you filled out um, what he needed you to fill out. He's ready to get with you on getting you a part of the team. If you're interested in becoming a part of the team, after the first of the year, the first Sunday of the month, uh, we will start uh, 101 again, and we'll roll through it again and get you right in. So uh, we'll be announcing that as, as it gets closer to time. Uh, but if that's you today, uh, just be right over here after service. Also, in the back, your children are eating popcorn and cookies and all kind of candy. Thank you. <laughs> Which means you get to take them home and deal with them. We don't have to. Um, they're going to be all jacked up and their eyes are going to be doing this. But they're going to have a good time. And uh, after service, if you want to go back there and check out what they did and, and just look at the decorations. And they put a lot of effort into these kids. They, uh, just, just to be completely transparent, every year we talk to the kids about doing a play or a cantata or something. And every year their kids are like, no, I don't want to be on the stage. And when I was a kid, the few times I did go to church as a little kid, they made us do those kind of things. So I just made up my mind, we don't want to make these kids do anything. Um, so what they do is they really do, it used to be pajamas and pancakes, and now it's, uh, what is it now, popcorn, popcorn and pajamas, because can pancakes got super messy, right? And that was, no, was that not the deal? Everybody just smelled like syrup, that was it. No, that wasn't it either? Well, why'd we change it? We just changed, oh, executive decision was made without me being involved. So, sounds, sounds like normal. Um, <laughs> I thought there was like a really cool reason, but obviously not. So anyway, they're going to have a good time back there. Were you here last week? Did you enjoy the first part of the series where we got into a, son, a child is born? We're going to go a little further this morning with it. I'm going to do my best to uh, actually get where I should have gotten last week. So if you'll take your Bibles, we're going to get started. Um, go to Galatians chapter 4. Guys, I'm, uh, I don't know if everybody's hot or cold, so I'm going to leave that up to y'all, but I'm I've got this jacket on, so it's hard for me to tell. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, say Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption, say adoptions, of sons, say sons, because you are what? Say it, because you are what? God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father, or Papa, or Daddy. That's, that's the, the intimate name for God. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, we didn't get there last week, but, but I want to read this in the Good News Translation. The Good News Translation says it this way, But when the right time finally, finally came, God sent his own son. He came as the son of a human mother and lived under Jewish law to redeem those who were under that law that we might become the children of God, or God's children. To show that you are His children, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who cries out, Father, my Father. So then you are no longer a slave. I love that word, no longer a slave, but a child, actually son. And since you are a son, God will give you all that He has 
for his children. Isn't that amazing? That in all of your mess, God's still looking at you as somebody he can give you everything to. You ever think about that? I know we live our life thinking about all the things that we've done wrong. But God really, you have to understand this, this one thing about God. And I don't think it's really gotten into our mindsets yet. That God is not sitting on a heavenly throne with a sharpie marking you out of the book and then back into the book. And well, he got it right, so we'll write his name. Oh, well, there he goes again. And just, That's not what God's doing. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're covered in a blood. And that blood is redemptive, it's powerful, and it, it takes care of everything. All you have to do is remember this one thing, that when you give your life to Jesus, you didn't just repent, you started repenting. Amen. You started getting the option now to realize, okay, I've messed this thing up. Lord, I am sorry. And there's nothing held against you. Now what happens is, is when you continually stay in that, you pull yourself away from the blessing. You pull yourself away from the covering. You're still saved. Jesus still loves you. But you put yourself in a situation where you can't walk in what he's trying to give you because you're too far away. But when you get that right and say, God, I'm sorry, I need to fix some things. See, this is why the, the mindset of people that say, uh, you know, I, I can't go to church. The building will fall in on me. They think they're so powerful that their sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. They think, they, they think that what they've done is more egregious than anything Jesus could die for. This is why last week we spent a lot of time talking about uh, unto us a child is born, but unto us a son was given. See, because a child being born is one thing. One, you build the relationship with the child, but when a son is given, everything he had is now given to you. So you have to settle into a place where you don't see everything from the eyes of an old covenant. But the old covenant was there to make you realize you needed a Savior. There was no way for you to be perfect. Only a way for you to accept a perfect Savior. The old covenant in the Old Testament was never given to show you how bad you were. And it did a good job of that. But it was only given to show you that you need somebody in your life that you can lean on because there's no way you can accomplish all this on your own. So when you understand those, it really changes what Christmas is all about. Because I want to say this to you. We live in a day and time, and this is not going to be real Christmassy today. We handled that last week, and we'll get more of it next week. But i got to get this meat in here. We live in a day and time where we hear these words. We have a gospel of grace. We've all heard that. We've heard we have a gospel of faith. We've heard we have the gospel of healing. We have a gospel of this and a gospel of prosperity. We've heard all those things. But what we're missing is those really aren't gospels. Those are a part of the gospel. The only time the Bible mentions the word gospel in the context of gospel of, it's the gospel of peace. See, think about it for just a minute. If you are at peace with you and God, then you're walking in grace. If you are at peace with you and God, then you're walking in the fullness of what he can bless you with. That means you accept that God's not angry with you and, and know that things may not be absolutely perfect, but man, he's got me. Right? Isn't that good? Because what you have to understand is that God wants you close to him in all your mess, right? Are y'all here this morning? Because what he needs from you is the simple acceptance that he cares. That's it. Your behavior modification process does not come through getting saved. You cannot fix yourself. If you could fix yourself, there was no need for Jesus to die on a cross. However, the more you get closer, see, it's, it's, it's real simple. It's, it's called the law of influence. The person that you spend the most time around is the person you begin to act like. 
Have you ever seen people that, that <clears throat> when they first started dating in high school, they were two completely different people, then you see them 25 years later and they're answering each other's sentences? It's because they've been stuck in the same house with each other for 23 years. They, they, all, they start acting the same. My sister is married to my brother-in-law, William, and, and my sister now, it, we're talking about 30 years later, my sister now acts more like my brother-in-law than she did when they first met because they spend more time together. When you spend time with God, and I'm not talking about just going to church and flipping open your Bible or turning on TBN and catching a sermon. I'm talking about real intimate time. When you spend time with God, you tend to become more like him. You begin to think that way. You begin to, to, to talk that way. You're more kind to people, that's for sure. You begin to love people. You begin to see people where they're at. And then you begin to pray for them rather than judge them, right? Because the truth is, is that's what God needs from you. He needs you to be that person. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. What that means is there was two different covenants. But now we're in the new covenant. It doesn't do away with the old covenant. It just basically shows us that the old covenant has been dealt with. So now the curse of the old covenant is not ours. But the blessing of the old covenant is. Amen. You get to walk in something that you didn't earn. How nice is it when somebody walks up and blesses you with something? You didn't earn it. You can't earn. I'm fixing Word of faith people would probably want to just shoot me through the TV if they saw this. You can't even give your way to prosperity. You can't. Not until you accept that he's a prosperous God. And that he wants to pour out on you. You have to have something change in your heart before tossing all this money around works. Because prosperity, now, now I don't touch on it, so let me, let me say something here. Prosperity is not God's way of financing you monetarily. <laughs> Y'all with me? Prosperity is God's way of financing you through the blessing. Because the blessing will bring things to you your money can never get you. There, there, now, I'm not saying that, that God doesn't tell you to give. My Lord, I, there's not been a church service I've been in in 23 years that God hadn't asked me to give it something. And I, I've just accepted that in my life. But I've learned if I give on every wave, I receive on every wave. And, and I've learned to just hear him, whether it's small, whether it's big. It's really not about numbers. It's about obedience. I've given away watches. I've given away cars. I've done that. But the truth is, it's not really big to God. It's just obedience. The car may have been big to me, but it wasn't big to him. To him, it was just some metal that we dug out of the ground and formed into a car. But to me, it was a huge deal. It was a 72 Nova hatchback. Oh, I'm still struggling that I gave that car away <laughs> so many years ago. But it wasn't an issue of the value of the car. It was an issue of the value of the obedience to him. See, because it meant more to me to be right with him than to just be right. So I want to say a few things today, and then we're going to, we're going to try to move forward in this series. There was never... You've got to understand when it comes to the Old Covenant, there was never, or the Old Testament, there was never a fault with God. People say all the time, why did we need a New Testament? Why did Jesus come to open up the New Testament to us? Because there was never a fault with God. There was a fault with our ability to obey it all. So God said, you don't have to do it. I'm going to take care of all of it for you. Now your job is to just accept my son and because when you accept my son, when I look at this planet, all I see is my son, then everything's been handled because he was perfect. Does that set you free from being perfect? How many of you, how many of you never went to church in your life until now, thank God, but you, you felt like you were, had to be perfect? 
You realize that there's no such thing. I've been to preach at churches where everybody was so prim and proper and it was perfect. And, and I'm thinking, okay, something shady here. This is just too nice. This is too clean in here. And the truth is, 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 it's great. It's great to have a show. But do you have a heart? See, I came up in Pentecost, which means my training wasn't in teaching proper word. My training was getting everybody fired up and let's get in the altar. That was my training. So when the Lord started talking to me about how to build this church, it was completely the opposite of what I was trained in. So I had to do something at that point. I had to make a decision in my life that I'm either going to go the way the Lord's leading me or I'm going to go with my training. And if I go with my training, we're just going to have another Pentecostal church on another corner with 20 people, and we're all going to know each other's business because I'm going to prophesy it to you every week. <laughs> y'all heard, heard prophesy, right? You didn't hear nothing about prophecy. Or... You can settle into a place where you open up your heart and let God begin to change you into what he called you to be. And then people can slowly but surely trickle in because I'm not a big fan, listen to me, I'm not a big fan of, of being in a place where the, the growth, I want growth in this church, but I don't want growth so, so exponentially that I don't know people. Because I am the pastor. And if all you ever see me on is a video screen, how can I be your shepherd? Is it just me? Am I the only one that thinks wrong? Because the truth is, as a shepherd, Oral Roberts said this, and right before he went to heaven, Oral Roberts was, was in a conversation with some of his sons in the faith. And right before he got to where he couldn't speak, do y'all know, know who Oral Roberts is, correct? Y'all do? One of the greatest healing ministries ever. Oral Roberts was in tears right before he, he got to where he just couldn't speak. And he was sitting there, and, uh, and actually Matt Gober, my spiritual dad, he said this to Mac as well. He said, he stared his hands and he would just sob. And he said, I'm so afraid that the modern church doesn't understand it. And, and they, his sons were asking him. And he said, these hands, God has used these hands to touch millions of people. To physically touch them. And he said, today's church, they grow so fast that they, they're not even listening to a real preacher. They're just looking at a TV. And he said, God has to have a point of contact. Isn't that amazing that we think what we, what we see as huge and successful isn't really success in the eyes of God? I'm not saying they're wrong. Don't get, everybody builds according to the model that God gives them. I'm not knocking churches, okay? But what I'm saying is when you get down and dirty and personal with somebody and their business is nasty and dirty and you have to get in there and help them, you begin to build a relationship through Christ where they trust you as pastors and you trust them as people. And somehow in that heaven and earth kiss, God can begin to heal because real hearts are mended through authentic relationship. And how can you ever have an authentic relationship with God? Because two things. The example of an authentic relationship with God is your authentic relationship with your parents. Some people never have that. Or the authentic relationship you have with your leadership. And Satan has successfully convinced the church that that doesn't matter. Let's have a group and let's, let's let whoever's over the group run the show. That's not how this thing was designed. I'm not saying small groups aren't good. What I'm saying is at some point... You have got to know what you're submitting to as a vision and who's in charge of that vision. Is it, is it just a vision for growth or is it a vision for God? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to turn this into a leadership conference. I just, I just want you to understand that there comes a time 
that you really, really, really have to just pull the curtain back in your life and let all of the junk fall down that has held you back. And you don't have to do that publicly. That's between you and the Lord. There's a better way. There's a better way to relate to God than to just talk about your failure. Are you are listening to this? I know y'all are intent. It's more of a teaching anointing. But when you relate to God only on your failure, you never do any better. But when you can relate to God as the one who stopped you from failing anymore, it really turns your mindset around when you realize that you've been a big old mess most of your life, but God still has a plan, still has a design, still has a heart for you, still has something that only you can accomplish, and he still sees you as valuable enough to do it. But the goal is to get you there to where you see it. Because God sees you. Now listen, I'm going to mess with y'all. God does not see the mess you're in. I know this is not popular teaching, but it's true. God does not see the mess that you're in. When God looks at you by faith, because he's God of faith, right? He sees the end result of who you can be. You ever see your kids... Uh, you ever you ever teaching your kid a sport, uh, whether it be baseball? You know, uh, we don't say the the soccer word around here. I think that's sin. Football, the big three. You know, soccer doesn't apply. But if you're teaching your kid real sports, you know, you see that they have the potential to do. You ever seen a kid? My favorite is to go to the t-ball games and see the kid that swings at the thing like 13 times and never hits it. Did, would you agree with me that he has the absolute ability to put that ball over the fence? Nobody's taught him. You ever seen that commercial where, where uh, it talks about practice makes perfect and it shows that, that kid just throwing that ball low crazy and then you wonder why he's throwing it so bad and you see his dad doing the same thing? You can practice the wrong thing and be really good at wrong. Amen? You listening? But if we flip that around and we begin to practice the right things, which is walking by faith, spending our time with him. Listen, it doesn't, this thing with God is not hard. We just make it hard because we say, well, I need to spend more time with God. You know what happens the minute you think those things? Well, that means I have to get up earlier. How about you get to? Some people can't get out of a bed. Well, you know, I just had to come after work and, you know, I'm so tired. Hey, you got a job. Some people starving. <laughs> oh, listen, I know it's festive in here. Praise the Lord. But you don't understand. We, we saw a video. April showed me a video it was a Christmas video of a church, and it was one of the most amazing. I wish I thought about downloading it and playing it here. But it was a guy, and uh, it was a guy and his wife was laying in bed and his kids, and, and it was Christmas morning. It was Christmas morning. And all of a sudden, the video comes on, and, and he's laying there, and he's wrapped up in, in Christmas paper. Have y'all seen this? Anybody seen this? He's wrapped up in Christmas paper. And he rips it off and he's so excited. He looks over at his wife and she's wrapped up. And he helps her get it off and she's so excited. Look at the kids hopping in. And he's got paper all over him. And then he's like, oh, it's great. Then he runs and he pulls a coffee cup out and the coffee cup's wrapped up. And all, everything in his life, he goes to work, he goes out, his car's wrapped up. Which he's, somebody's trying to get you to understand, you are supremely blessed. And you don't even know it. That's Christianity. You have everything you got. Do you understand where you live? I, I know y'all think this is the armpit of Alabama, but you still have everything you need. You have everything you need to succeed. The only thing stopping you is the person in the mirror. Y'all quit blaming the devil. He gets a lot of glory that he doesn't deserve. 
Because he's got you so beat down, he don't even talk to you no more. He's like, oh, they lost. I'm over here. Because you have convinced yourself you cannot win. He ain't got to do nothing else for you. Yet God is continually trying to get you to understand, I sent my son. I gave you a son. A child was born, and that's what we celebrate, but I gave you my son. And because I gave you my son, I gave you everything to be thankful for. Remember this. Everything in the Old Testament that they were doing under the law was not God's law. This is where it gets hairy. That was man's interpretation of God's law. See, because what happened was Moses wrote the Ten Commandments, but then he thought, I know God well enough, this is how it's going to be. Well, I, Pastor Allen, I just don't believe that. Okay, do you realize that in the Old Covenant, if you didn't, your wife, all of a sudden, ten years later, she ain't as pretty as she was, you can now divorce her? This, well, the, 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 what was the, uh, I hate to use this word, but in the, in, the, in the Hebrew it actually says, ugly. If you all of a sudden stop seeing her as beautiful and now she's ugly to you, you have the right to divorce her. That's the old, that's the old law. That's the Old Testament. Then it says, if she marries again, she's the adulteress. That's how man screws up what God thinks. So God said, okay, they're all crazy. We send in Jesus. Jesus, you got to go because they nuts. That's not at all what I said, but this is what they've done with it, so let's fix it. Let's fix it so I don't have to judge them anymore. Which means I'm going to judge you and it's going to be horrible. Oh, but forever and ever, amen, all these crazy kids get to come home. Isn't that good? Because, listen, not all sermons need to be shouted. Sometimes you just need to stop and think, I got it good. I really have it good. I have it good because of God. I don't have it good because of my own ability. Let me explain something to you. When I stand on this stage, it is not lost on me that I was a drug addict. It's not. It's not lost on me that I was a horrible husband, a horrible dad. All those things, are. I haven't forgotten those things. Those of you who look at me as amazing as I am now, you wouldn't believe it. Can't turn it down. Zion hit me with that this morning. I'll tell you all that later. But I'm just kidding. But every time I stand up here, what y'all don't know, now I'm, I'm being extremely transparent and I'm going to try to, I'm not going to cry, I promise. But every time I walk out of that door as I'm putting this mic on, Satan every Sunday tries to remind me of what I used to be. And it's been that way for 24 years of my life. And it's gotten easier and easier and easier to put my head up and keep walking by because I'm not who I used to be, I'm his. And I may not be perfect, but he's perfect. And as long as I just do it his way, then it'll be all right. It's when I do it my way that we have real problems. Because the truth is, he is a good, loving, kind God that has requirements. See, I got required on that requirement part. Because we live in a day and time where I can say he's a good, loving, and kind God and everybody will shout and give. But they don't say anything about requirements. But here's the beautiful thing about God's requirements. God's requirements are only that you be like him. Right? He's not asking you to be like anybody else but him. And how awesome is it to be like the most wonderful thing in the universe? Well, I just don't have it in me. Yeah, you do. You just got to peel back some layers. See, Pastor, that's just my personality. My personality is just to be a jerk. Okay. 
I agree. I, listen, I, I'm not the person to argue with you on that. But I will tell you this. You were born pure, perfect, and holy. Everything else was added on. And all God's trying to get you to do is back to the original intent of who you were. That is to be pure. That is to be perfect, which means perfected. There's no way you're ever going to be perfect. And to be holy. Which doesn't mean, well, you don't drink, you don't cuss, don't smoke. That's not what that means. What the, those are parts of it, but that's just, that's just only outliers. What it means is that you're willing at the drop of a hat to stop and hear him. Amen. That you're willing. There was a, a situation. Uh, April, April loves. <laughs> I shouldn't do this. But she loves, because we don't argue. We just discuss things extremely aggressively. And she loves to tell me, all right, Alan, you can stay, but whatever you come in here with, got to go. Well, she's right. Now, I don't like it when she says that, but she's right. That means I've submitted myself to uh, an attitude or a spirit that shouldn't be in this argument. Well, we're dealing with something here. Uh, now, I used to be a really dumb husband. <laughs> Guys, y'all listen up. She used to come to me with something that bothered her, and I would say, well, what fruit is that? Because the fruit gets bigger. <laughs> but the deal is, is we have to learn and all of us have to learn to talk to one another and deal with one another and love one another no matter what is going on in our life. What makes churches grow? Listen to me now. What makes churches grow? And I'm talking about physical growth of the church is not good music. It's not great preaching. It's not a pretty building. It's how much do people feel like they're cared about when they walk in there. But you can't be so selfish that it's always about you. At some point, you've got to flip that around and say, okay, they might not know who Jesus is, so let me be a really good example of his heart. When we can do that, everything changes. See, people ask me all the time, why do you, why do you take out of your personal money and, and, and drive down to Canaan land and do all of these things? Why, why do you, you know, they don't give you an offering. They don't do this. It costs money and, and, uh, because they're worth it. Come on now, they're worth it. And you're worth it. And the people you're mad at are worth it. And the things you get mad about are worth it. But we see so much of what we want and it's stopping us from seeing what he wants. And when we get over into what he wants, things change. See, because I have fully learned this one thing. The loudest person in praise and worship is not always the deepest. See, we equate volume to spirituality. And that's not how it works. However, when you've been close to him, you can't help but get excited when you know he's about to do something amazing. Because now the thing is with God, God doesn't require from you a behavior change. God just creates in you a behavior change. Does that make sense? All right, one more scripture and then we're going to try to wrap this up. Go to, go to John chapter 1. John 1, 14. I want to show you something. As you go into John 1, I want to tell you something real quick. You've got to understand something about Moses' law. Moses' law was written out of the hardness of his own heart. There were some things he went through that when he interpreted what God was saying, he put hardness in it because he had some hardness in him. And sometimes that's what we do. But John 1 and 14 says this. And the Word was made flesh, speaking of Jesus. Now, I remember I told you a child was born, but a son was given. John 1 and 14 deals with the son being given. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory as the glory, I'm sorry, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Leave that scripture up there, guys. Don't take it down. I'm going to show you something that's really going to kind of mess with you a little bit, but that's okay, right? Everybody out there thinks I'm crazy anyway, so y'all just ride with me. Look what it says. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. Right? Now, who's got a King James Version, which is, who's reading King James? You reading King James? Look right here. Oh, Lord, dang, my glasses. Let me go back up there. Whew. Now, in the, you can't see it on the screen because it's all in caps. But this is what it says. In parentheses it says, and we beheld His glory. Now, if I've got an hour of preaching to do in four minutes, so listen. It says, we beheld His glory. In the King James, the word His is lowercase. Y'all see that, those of you who have King James? The word His is lowercase. It's all fixing to get good. If it was just Jesus' glory, that would be capitalized. It says, we beheld, we took on us His glory. So read it like this. And the Word was made flesh, and flesh, and, and Jesus dwelt among us, and because of that, He went to the cross. Because of that, we beheld, or we took on His glory, and the glory of that of the only begotten Father. We took on everything Jesus left. We took it on, not to just be somebody that's saved, but to be the operator of glory that was left here for you to make work in your life and the lives of others, but it all works by love. You can't give your way to it. You can't faith your way to it. You can't shout your way to it. You can't sing. You can't dance. But you sure can love. Because when you love people like God loves people, it changes something on the inside of you. That when they start singing about he's so good and you recognize he is and you just start hopping right along. When, when all of a sudden they start saying, that is who you are, way maker, miracle worker, something inside of you starts jumping. Hey, wait a minute. We're actually here for a reason. And that's because he is that good. Are y'all with me? You are the carriers of the glory of God. You are the receivers of something that your mind may not let you accept, but your spirit has already grabbed a hold to. That's why there's this internal battle in you all the time that I don't have to live this way, but yet I'm struggling. I'm all... You only win that battle by sowing to your spirit way more than your flesh. It's the only way to win that battle. When you're spending time with God you really begin to understand what it means for the Word to be made flesh. Now, last point, and I promise we're going to end right here. The Word was made flesh, and we beheld His glory. What that means is, if the Bible says it, I can have it. And if I can have it, at some point in this time, I have to see it become real in my life. Which means this, if you have a broken heart, which predominantly is the thing that stops most people from, from getting where they need to be is their heart's broken somewhere. When you begin to understand that the word about he's a father to the fatherless, he's the healer of the broken heart, then you accept that and you begin to say that about your life and your heart begins to go back together, the word is being made flesh. See, 
The Bible is a living, breathing document. It was never meant to be just a picture of Jesus. It was meant to be a movie about him. That you see it in action in your life at every moment of every day. So when the Bible says to stir up the gifts, you're stirring up the gifts to make the word, the word become, become flesh in your life. There are things, listen to me, there are things that a child being born opened up to you. It opened up relationship. But there are so many more things that a son being given opened up to you because now you get to behold something. You get to carry, listen to me, you have been designated a carrier of the very thing Jesus had. But Satan has convinced the world that you're not worthy. And let me just tell you, you're not. But his blood is. And the minute his blood is on you, you get to demand your freedom. You do. You get to walk in it. Oh, I wish I had two more hours. If I had two more hours, I'd get y'all to see some things. But... <laughs> Somebody's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> Listen, we got, here's the deal. When we bought all these new chairs a few years ago, we got them super thick. And I told April, I said, for every inch, that's an hour of preaching. So if you get four-inch seats, well, I'm going to be there four hours. So they just got two inches. So back to my point of practice makes perfect. But if you're practicing something wrong, you're perfectly wrong. And you've been perfectly practicing how you can't. And I'm telling you, God said you can. You're perfectly practicing your failure. And God says, in my eyes, I don't see failure anymore. Are you with me? You're perfectly practicing how you can't do something and you can't walk into glory and I've done so much and it's all this and it's all that and we as ministers teach this and it's all about behavior can I just say this to you and, and not get stoned? But here's the deal. Your relationship with Christ has nothing to do with your behavior. It has nothing to do with your actions. It has everything to do with your heart. And as you let him pierce your heart, everything in your life begins to change. Amen. I just need, I just need keyboard. That's all I need. Come on up. Y'all stand to your feet with me. Just stand to your feet and bow your heads where you are. What I want to do, and, and, and I really just want you to, to hear with my voice. Just bow your heads where you are. The Lord's not directing me to lay hands on people this morning to, to not do anything but to say this one thing. And we're going to give an opportunity for salvation if you don't know Jesus. But this is what I want you to know and I want you to hear and I want you to understand. Wherever you're at, God sees it. I want you to hear me now. In this season, from two weeks ago until a week after January 1st is the most volatile season in the world. More people commit suicide in that two-month window than in an entire 12-month period because they don't have what I'm trying to tell you this morning. They don't have hope. They don't have truth. They don't understand that they can behold his glory. They can hold it and be a carrier of it. So if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Allen, I, I need to get some things straight. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. 
You say, I just need to accept Jesus. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to pull you out and embarrass you. You say, I need to get some things right. On the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand up and put it right back down. And we're all going to pray together. Nobody's going to pull you out. We're not going to single you out. Nobody's going to drag you to a weird little room and talk to you. You're just accepting Jesus and you're fixing some things. If that's you, this is your moment. One, two, three. All across this place, anybody. Hands up, right back down. I see that. Head right back down, right down. All right. Church, people are going to get saved today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, Father, I know that I'm a mess. But I know you sent Jesus to die for me. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And from this moment forward, I am saved. I am healed. My heart is put back together. I am whole. And I, come on, I and I will go to heaven. But I will have heaven on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. People got saved today, church. Now, amen, amen, amen. Real quick, I want to share something with you guys. Y'all can stop the recordings and all that now. I want to share something because...